Hey everybody, welcome back to the episode of Frank's Unsolicited Advice. Today, I am joined by a good friend of mine, happens to be in the Navy with me, but we met through a business that we're in. We have our own business with Royal Financial Group, and we get with families to discuss financial literacy. So her name is Rocky, but her real name is Raquel. Why do you want to go, Rocky or Raquel? Which one you want? Rocky's fine. Okay, Rocky. And we're going to sit down today and talk about the lack of financial literacy, um, not knowing, you know, uh, families not having it. We're going to kind of discuss our backgrounds and, and go from there. It's kind of similarity and, and start from there. So, Rocky, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a Saturday. You know, it's raining over here. It's on and off. Virginia weather. You've never been over here, huh? I was. I was stationed in Virginia for six years. Where at? I was in Norfolk, so I was on the I not the Eisenhower. Yeah, the Eisenhower, sixty nine. Yeah. And uh, then I was in Marmac. Really, six years, and now you're in the West Coast, sunny, always seventy, chilling. Yeah, it's sunny right now. It was it was sunny today, so and this is why I'm staying. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'm not a West Coast person, but the weather is enticing. So, Rocky, tell I'm from the South Bronx. You're from the South Bronx. What part of the South Bronx? I know you say you moved around a little bit, but Give me a little bit about your background, Ma. Um, My initial, I did move around a little bit, but I would say Brook Avenue and the Grand Concourse are probably the two main areas I was in. I grew up mostly in Brook Avenue, you know, on the sixth line, you have to And then I I still have, to this day, family on 167 Grand Concourse. It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, that I would say that's probably the most... I've been my whole life while I was in New York. So I, I have family in uh, my aunt has, she lives in a project in Marble Hill. My cousin mm -hmm. lives with her. My sister lives over there on Edison Avenue, close, the, the nicest side of Tremont. So past Lehman going towards the nice side of Tremont, not the other side, the other well, side. You gotta take you know? a bus. I yeah, got you. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> then, um, my aunt, she lives in the South Bronx still. My other aunt, I don't have much family left there. Um, but, People just don't leave. You know, my sister, my sister has a career. I'm not going to say that. I don't want people to hear them. But damn, she no, she has a career and, and she does good. She lives in a nice little area. But you know how it is trying to buy a house, trying to do different things is 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 hard in New York. It is. Uh, you can make one hundred and fifty thousand a year and that's, and you're still poor. Right. You're not you're not doing anything. So you join the Navy when? I joined um in two thousand. Well, I stepped in two thousand ten, and then I shipped to a camp two thousand eleven. And what made you do that? Honestly, <laughs> it was the fastest way out of New York. That's fair. It is the fastest way. <laughs> it was it the fastest way to to become independent. It was the fastest way to not have to go the traditional route of four years of school, then getting a decent job, which you probably still. Might struggle a little bit, um, depending on where you're at in in New York. So it, it was just I felt like it was to accelerate what I already knew I wanted. Okay, so you found as a way out, 
you join the Navy, you do six years VA, then you end up in Cali. Career's going okay, I guess. You did recruiting out there, right? I did. I did do recruiting. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. What What's some of the things that you found to be similar in your travels? I would say. As far as West Coast and East Coast, or yeah. demographic, West Coast, I mean West Coast, East Coast, all that good stuff. Like what? You know, I've been I've been in for twenty five and a half. And I lived overseas. I've traveled overseas. Um, and I you see poverty everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's not unique to one location, you know? So that's what I mean by similarities. What do you think in tangible, like in common and stuff like that? Um, is it is really, really crazy because with the similarities, even West Coast, East Coast, it really when you recruit, you really see the numbers and how everything lies. Like you could see the neighborhood, that zip code, you know whether it's a good neighborhood or not a good neighborhood. And depending on that will depend on the kind of education that these kids get, okay. which also depends on their tests, their scores, the kind of grades they get. And it just kind of like a snowball effect. And it doesn't matter. It, it, like These are the kind of things that we saw in New York too all mm -hmm. the time. But coming here, like you hear great things about it, but there's still poverty. It doesn't matter where you go. It's it's just depending on where you at. Like, but you're gonna find it somewhere, and it just all snowballs into it. I mean, L.A. I've only been there twice. Um, flew into L.A. You know, went to Palm Springs, which we missed each other. I don't know how that's even possible. We was there, missed each other, never saw each other, and then I went for Anaheim. You wasn't able to make it. Um, but to me. It's like the fact that we have those different cities, right? And it, it, to me, I feel like when it hits, it hits, right? When poverty hits, when you look at these neighborhoods, when you look at, and it's not to say that we, I don't want people to think that we're saying, you know, the education isn't great and nobody makes it out. You have some that do make it out. But I, I like to think that the advantage of the ones that get the better funding, smaller class sessions, um, you know, better books, all that good stuff, it allows them to get a better education. You and I both went to school in the Bronx. So, you know, you went to Lehman, right? I went to the night school at Lehman um, yeah. after. The first one I went to, I was in uh, a school in Evander Charles. Oh. <laughs> so that's my home school. When I was living on Creston, that was my home school. And my grades was horrible in middle school, right? So, you know, everybody's like, oh, Frank, you about to go to Evander. All my dudes from my block. All of them went to Evander, and then one of them ever graduated, okay, ever. So I'm hearing this, I'm hearing the nightmares, like the stories. I'm like, oh my god. So I'm thinking I'm gonna have to go to the school. It's over there in Gun Hill, off White Plains. That's all Jamaicans over there. My light ass don't belong there. I'm over there. <laughs> so luckily, I got into Kennedy through a math and science program. Don't know how the hell I got in there. Thank God I did. <laughs> And I didn't go to Vanda because I would have. I so I, I ended up recruiting, taking over the recruiting station in White Plains Road, and Vanda was one of my schools that I had to go to as a recruit, as the as the as the LPO now as they call it. I was a recruiter in charge then, and going there, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I was supposed to come here. And mind <laughs> you, this is seven years after the fact that I'm actually going to that school as a, you know, AO two just took over the station. I'm in there. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe I I, I would never made it. I, I would have never made I would have dropped out. Would have dropped out. So so you ended up finishing at Lehman. My yeah. point for that is not only do our we 
and and I and I would relate this to any major city, right? LA, anything like that, Compton, whatever. Everybody has their struggles, especially when you have different neighborhoods. You don't you're not from that neighborhood. You know, in New York, we have a thousand high schools and now they took them big high schools and broke them down to smaller high schools. So you got two thousand schools in one borough. <laughs> and you can go to any school, right? Where in some places they only got one high school and everybody goes there. So um, the struggle, not only having to worry about bullying, you know, protecting what you have because somebody else wants it, uh, the education, the classroom settings. I I feel that smaller cat when you have a smaller classroom and a teacher can kind of know every student personally, it makes it better. You and your recruiting tour, how did would you agree with that? How did you see that? What's your take on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you can first and foremost, teachers have a whole lot to do with it, like whether or not they love what they do or they just do it because that's just what they're doing. Um, that's that really does make a big difference. But I can always tell the nicer the school it is just you could it goes back to funding and everything else. The nicer the school, the more thought they put into it, the more thought they put into their academics. You can see the difference. And this comes out in in test scores. This comes out in grades. This comes out in even for when I was recruiting for ASVABs. We knew exactly what zip code and, and what frame they were going to be and whether they were going to be an upper or lower. Yeah. It's crazy, the numbers. And and then we go to the the city, the more overpopulated areas where there's just too many students and the grades, their grades are affected. And we know their grades, they're probably going to be in the lowers and all of these things. So it, it really is crazy to see how all of that can affect students, people. Yeah, I think, uh, um, so I, I agree a whole 100%. When I did recruiting the first time, we didn't have to recruit specifically for like certain things. We recruited for uh, race. So if you needed a 50 or better and you needed a black upper middle group of bungee, then you would tell you, you need to get two bungees. And we had mm -hmm. to go into those neighborhoods. Now, being in the Bronx recruiting, we never, I, in my time recruiting, I never really got, uh, gold with a, a white upper middle group because their the demographics wasn't there for that. You know what I'm saying? But when you start looking at schools, I had, when I was in the South Bronx on 149th and 3rd Avenue doing recruiting, we had South Bronx high school. And I mean, <laughs> If you get yeah. out of South Bronx, you win it. Let me tell you something. You you thought you hit the lotto, okay? We we was and people don't realize it. My my C, one of my CEOs in recruiting, my first CEO, got relieved because he he basically said the truth and they didn't like it. You know, he they were they were knocking us for trying to recruit the students. You know, the newspapers. So somebody made a comment. So his response pretty much was like, "Listen, half of your students came in, more than half can't even pass an eighth grade test that we give." So we're not, yeah. we're not trying to, you know, we're not begging in a sense. Yeah, it came off wrong, but what he was, he, the, the point, the delivery was wrong, but the message was the right one. Um, So now fast forward. Now you, you, when did you join WFG? I want to say it's been about almost two years now. Okay. So I started in 2020 around there, the summer. Okay. I was, yeah, 2021, I would say it was the year that okay. I finally and how did yeah. you, so for everybody listening, Rocky and I have our own distribution platform. We have our own business with World Financial Group, which allows us to allows us to 
teach families basic knowledge of financial education. We're not coming out here saying that we're, you know, the geniuses of it all, but we have, we do is teach a basic of it to allow families to understand a certain message or understand how things work. Right. And I'm going to share with you my story and then I'll, I'll let you share yours so we can see the similarities. I was 40 when I was put onto the three rules of money. But however, it was through a person out in California. One of my old sailors from the bush was stationed there, just like we do. Hey, can you get on a Zoom call? Help me with my training. And I did. So I listened to it and I never heard of it. Their version of three rules of money, you know, and I never heard of it. And I was like, man, this is crazy. You know, like I wish I would have known about this when I started my TSP. And she had me sold off the first presentation. I knew it was something I had to do. You know, so I was already about doing the intake form. I was doing my per personal uh, financial strategy. You know, we was running the numbers, but obviously because I'm married, she was like, oh, well, what about your wife? I said, yeah, before I jump into this, I want my wife to hear it. Um, and the information was so good that in that second appointment, I said to her, I said, hey, you know, how do you become an agent? Like, how can you do this? And then it, you know how we sometimes think we know what we want to do when we grow up, but you find something else with... I thought, hey, I'm going to get out the Navy, use my degree in organizational management and go work somewhere. And then this hit, and I said, man, this allows me to apply my recruiting skills, selling skills, my instructor skills to teach and facilitate, I should say. And then my people skills, I already have them. So I was like, this is perfect. So she put me onto it. And I, I don't regret it. I didn't join with her, unfortunately. I joined with Melody, as you know. But um, helping families made me feel good. So how did you come across... World Financial Group. Um, I have this. I met her in middle school, Ingrid, uh, this friend that I've known forever at this point. We met back up in Lehman Night School. Um, and, and, you know, now with social media, it's easy to connect. Back then, it was if you don't have the same phone number for the last 10 years, that connection is gone. That's not the case anymore. Oh man, Ingrid kept telling me, you know, I, I just want to show you what I do because it's crazy that like I learned this and that people don't know it. And when she was saying that, I was like, okay, you know, we set up the Zoom meeting and same thing, three rules of money came up and I'm looking and every single time I'm just jaw dropped, jaw dropped. Mm -hmm. Why have I not heard of this? Why have I not seen this before? Um, I don't have my degree yet, but I've taken college classes, you know, and still, and definitely not in high school. This isn't something you learn in high school. So that for sure wasn't happening. And once she showed me everything, it was the same. Like, I already knew, like, nope, I want to do this because I want to teach people. Mm -hmm. And I'm in. Like, I'm sold. Like, we don't have to do a second. <laughs> I know we normally keep it that way, trying to just educate only first. But I was like, nope, I'm in. And that's basically how it came about because it was just so simple. And I'm like, there's no way like that we don't know this. Our communities don't know this. And for me, that's the biggest passion of it is the teaching the people who don't know it, how simple it is. It's not complex. It's not calculus. Mm -hmm. It really is that simple. It's just all about you knowing that information. You don't know what you don't know. Yep. And I, I like what you said earlier when we was talking about uh, the title. I had I had said something and you said, no, I like the other one better because you don't know what you don't know. So at first. You know, coming into the Navy, and I've said this to many people, I was ignorant. I was. Growing up in the South Bronx, growing up in the Bronx, there's not a lot of white people around. Let's just be honest. The, the, the ones that come are teachers 
They don't live in the Bronx with us. They live up in Upper Westchester. A lot of them come down just to get the on the resume, and then they try to go up there where the, the life is better, right? So very ignorantly, I thought that every person that was white had money, you know? Because when you go to Manhattan and you're you're down in, in, in Central Park or, you know, you're, yeah, you see the buildings, you know, people getting their dogs walked and stuff like that. And then I joined the Navy and I start meeting people from all over. And, and, you know, not being, not, wasn't trying to sound ignorant. So I wouldn't say much. I would just listen. And, you know, you start hearing about trailer parks and I thought trailer parks was dope. I'm like, oh, you get RVs. Like, and they're like, nah, bro, that's where all the poor people live at. You know, that's like our projects. And I'm like, what? You know? So I, I started to realize that education, financial education, right? The, the How to be smart with your money isn't just not only taught to us in our black and brown areas, it's not taught to anybody that doesn't really have the knowledge or the money, right? So what what's your take on that? Like, what you know, what do you think about it? Do you, you know, what have, what, yeah, what do you think about it in a sense? I agree 100%. It, it really, the color, um, the race, um, very little does it have to do with the kind of education you got. It truly does come down to whether you were exposed to this information at some point in your life or you were not. And the likelihood of you not being exposed and then being able to expose it to your kids is slim to none. It's slim to none. You, this is this is why generations and generations continue to be in poverty. This is why they they have a hard time getting out, along with other things like inflation and life, minimum wage, everything else. But when you don't know, because if you don't know, how are you going to teach your kids? You know, if you don't know how to open a computer up and turn it on and mess with it, how are you going to show that to your kid? And I think that that's what it really comes down to. Now we have this door that's open with the internet. Now yeah. we can learn these things. Now we have Zoom. Actually, Zoom wasn't even that big before COVID. Mm -hmm. So now that we have this information, we can further help families. But depending on where you came from, especially if you came from another country, especially if you came from another country to the U.S., the chances that you had any sort of skills on money management, how to keep your money, how to make it even grow. All you knew was bills, what you need to pay for, what you need to live with, and maybe save if you even can. And yeah. that's how it's gotten, you know, for generations and generations. No, I agree. Um, And, you know, it's crazy. It's not even just other countries, even outside States that are not attached to the United States go through the same thing. You know, take Puerto Rico, for example, it's not a state. It's a commonwealth. It's a territory. Right. But they don't get it. You know. Um, but one thing I was so growing up, I remember my mom saying how, you know, the, the lawyers, judges, doctors, the engineers, they live different than everybody else. And um, in the U.S. is kind of the same. Right. The people with, that are, I must say, financially stable, maybe comfortable, even wealthy. Uh, they get a certain level of education that we don't get, right? Um, and, and I feel that you know we can get into the whole politics of they don't want they don't want us to know it, you know, because they don't want us to be like them, right? We can get into that, and we'll, and we'll be here for the next two days recording. <laughs> we 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 come from an area, and you know, perspectives and point of views are 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 relative to you, right? And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is this: 
you and I come from the Bronx, South Bronx. So to us, we can both say, you know what? Yeah, nobody wants to see us win. They don't come to our neighborhoods. They don't teach us. They don't, they, like you said, in school, they don't teach this in school. You know, like you said, uh, in, in the Navy, me and you've been in and, and we've probably sat through financial counseling courses. You know, you sit back and there's never detailed on how to save your money. It's always about, oh, this is what you're bringing in. This is what you're spending. You should be spending less and have a plethora and whatever you have left over, you want to save. Put in a savings account. They might tell you, open up a mutual account, a, mu a mutual fund, a CD, or put in your 401k or put in your TSP and invest in the stock market. But they never really sit down and teach you what all that means, right? They, they don't. So when me and you both heard the same presentation, we're like, wow, this is crazy. I, I think that, uh, so I, I do feel that the rich don't teach it because they don't want anybody else to know. But I also feel that when people don't give us stuff, we should learn how to go find it ourselves. Do you feel that us and our communities, and not, again, I'm talking about poor, I'm not sticking to, I'm not trying to be more racial, but you know, it, but it, we, it can be. Do you think that we get too comfortable and never want to search outside? Like we we allow ourselves to become product of our environment. Absolutely. I do absolutely feel that way. You obviously can't say that for every single person because every single person doesn't do that. But your typical person in any, anywhere, whether that's San Diego, whether that's LA, whether it's um New York, people get comfortable. And also we have to keep in mind that being a product of your own environment can also it may not be on purpose. You may not, you just don't know any better. Think about it. We're showing people something that they've never seen before. First and foremost, not only have they probably never seen it, their parents probably never saw it and their grandparents never saw it. We're asking people to change a mindset that they've had for decades of their life. So yeah, you can be a product of your own environment. And unfortunately, it could be not on purpose, you know, it's maybe not intentional. But that being said, because of the generation we're in now, I do believe you should want to learn more. You should look for more information. You should be asking questions. Why am I working 80 hours a week and I'm still struggling? Mm. Why Am I busting my, my, my mom, my dad, my grandparents said that you get a good job, you work hard and the work, the hard work is going to pay off. And sometimes it doesn't pay off. It, it doesn't, if you don't do right, you know, um, exactly. my, my mom, I told you she was a social worker and you know, for years, over 20, over 25 years, almost 35, I want to say. And my mom had the education. My dad didn't, he worked. My dad was a jeweler when I was born. So I remember that much. But then, you know, things happen. The, he said the market of jewelry kind of changed. They wanted to produce or they wanted production over quality. And he couldn't get with that. He said, you know, they started, you had people coming from other countries that were working for less and they weren't paying the value of the work no more. They were just paying less to mass produce. So he left alone and, and tried different business ventures, right, that we had. And, and those didn't work out. Again, I, maybe not the right time, not the right place. Um... It was in the South Bronx in a time where drugs and, and everything was going crazy. So all the shootouts, the drug addicts. So to have a business in that area, it's it's hard, especially when it's not a liquor store 
or a restaurant or a smoke shop or something that that's going to stay in business in that area. Right. Um, so they, they, you know, they just worked. I remember my, my mom saying I, I got money in La Cooperativa in Puerto Rico and Aguadilla, you know, that's where I have money at. And I have some money there and I have some money here. And then when, when 401k became a thing, she was like, Oh, my 401k, I got it, which is interesting. Right. Because and that gets pushed down our throats too, right? TSP, stuff like that. But nobody ever really sits down and says, well, what is a 401k? How does it work? So we teach families what that means, right? Now, how how do you feel? Uh, now that we know better, right? Now that we're, we're we're educated and we're trying to educate others. And I'm not saying that we know it all. We don't. We're, we're part of this business that we do is having the basics of what we can show but because it's a business that deals in finance, we do have to do our homework to know better. So when our clients ask questions, we know what to do and help them, right? So what now knowing what you know, what you would have told your mom and your dad that maybe have a 401k, if they even have one, to do with it then? Oh, I would have told, I would have, hey, it really depends because some people are really forward, really, really down with like, no, this is, I believe in this. Um, So in that case, I would say diversify. But if that wasn't the case, honestly speaking, you're losing money. You're losing money. You know, you may not lose it all in one shot. It might come back up a little bit. It really all just depends on the kind of person, how okay they are with risk or they aren't. But I would tell them, look into other options. And and my biggest thing is just don't put all your eggs in that one basket because the 401k is not going to do that for you. No. Especially if you don't know how to mess with it. If you're not in there all the time, changing things up, keeping up with the market, doing your research, it takes a lot of work. And then that's not even including the fees that are attached to it, which most people don't even know what that looks like. They don't even know that there are fees attached to it, you know? So there's just so much. Basically, do your research. It would be my suggest. Do your research and um, look into different avenues. And I really just don't believe that that should be your one one thing that you depend on for your retirement. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, I had friends that did good with it, you know? But they constantly were changing, you know? They were moving it from one fund to the other. And I don't have the dedication for that. So I always went aggressive. And yeah, I probably could have made more money if I would have moved it here and there. But one thing that I've said we we both learned in this business is the power of not losing, right? The power of at least zero. Um, so I, I my mom now, I listen to them. And then you, New York is very finicky. As we heard Johnny talk all the time that there's only certain financial institutions you could use in New York. Some people, you know, it's like a monopoly on certain things. So... It's like when you when when you're in New York, you're kind of really like stuck to a few things, so you don't get the full diversification of multiple financial resources like uh, uh, institutes that you can use. Um, I found it when I when I first heard of it, you know, I knew it was variable. Like I knew it was volatile, right? I knew that, and I knew that just like you can go up, you can go down. But what messed me up, right? And this is ignorance again. It's my ignorance, right? Is when when we were sitting there and they go, well, if you have a hundred dollars and you lose ten percent, you you okay, you, but you made ten percent back the next year. Are you back to a hundred? And the normal person is gonna say, yeah, I lost ten, I made ten, I'm back. But they're not realizing that the ten percent you lost dropped you down to ninety. So now the ten percent you made is based off ninety, not the hundred. So you're at ninety nine, right? 
And 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 then we get into the whole situation of, well, is that even taxed or not? Because if it's not taxed, then you you have less than that, right? And what I what I find so interesting when I talk with uh, our clients and we do the twenty year look back and we show them how that looks, um, is the fact that how you could have had five times your uh, in one account and you only got almost three times in the other, but people still believe in that, you know. I've had people tell me, oh, I, I don't. I don't feel comfortable building my wealth or building my money under an insurance account. I'd rather put it in the stock or the 401k. And I'm like, why? But, you know, when I started in this business, I didn't know how to answer that. You know, when he threw that at me, I was like, what? But now that I understand it, I'm like, bro, you're dumb, right? <laughs> I'm being honest. And listen, people, we're not trying to say don't do it. Like she said, right. I like the word she used, diversify your portfolio, diversify, meaning have multiple things that's allowing your money to grow. But if you're not the person that's going to stay on top of it and you want something that's going to protect your money long term and also protect your family, because we haven't even got to that point of this conversation yet, um, then we, we there's certain avenues, certain, I'm, I'm going to say vehicles that you can use to get you from A to B, Right. So when I when I listen to people and they're like, oh nah, I, I'd rather have my money in a savings account. I'm like, but it's not it's not growing for you. Well, it's just because if I need it, I got it. I said, but yeah, but now you all you're doing is building your own wealth at that point. You're you're built, there's not you're not doubling your money. If you went from ten thousand to twenty thousand, it didn't happen because it was compounded. It happened because you built it for it. You know what I'm saying? You kind of had your savings. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no passive savings. It was all active. Um, so I like again, I was so when you're when you're your client base, we when you and I had these conversations before and decided to get on here and record this, we were just really talking about how in our neighborhoods, in our society, in our culture, we don't get the information. Absolutely. We don't get it. But then there's a frustrating side to us, right? Because we feel you and I both feel like once we give the information. Everybody should be like, oh, my God, let's go. They should be like, they should be happy as hell to, to you know, to, to to hear it. You know what I mean? And they should be. But, they're you know, they're not. So tell me how, how that makes you feel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, that's actually funny you bring that up because I, I try to remind myself, um, myself and business partners I have, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal because. It's, one, it's like a teacher. It's like if you're teaching, you're teaching somebody something and they're just refusing to intake that information. It gets frustrating sometimes. Um, but I think the way that I, I deal with it is I, I really remind myself, don't take it personal. Because again, it does go back to what people already know, like the lack of knowledge. And it goes way further than just us. Like me at my age, you know, I'm lucky to be reaching people my age, right? But there's people who are older and now you're talking to an older generation who completely, this is completely insane to them. This is like, there's no way. It sounds too good to be true and where is the catch? And that's how they receive that information. So I really try to just not take it personal. Um, it, it is frustrating because all you want to do is help us. Like I want to help us. I want us to know more to do more, but you cannot help everybody. You can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. And I think that's where it gets frustrating because it's all right here in this nice little package. 
and you're just not taking it. So for for people that we we're being very vague on what it is we do because it's just trigger you <laughs> to get us up, right? But it's it's basically sitting down with families and giving them a way to find, like I said, different vehicles to grow their money through institutions that allow them to be safe with their money, but at the same time be aggressive. Um, and just like how I get frustrated, I do. Um, you never did recruiting in the Bronx. I did. So <laughs> go back home, right? You and I, like I said, we're products of it. Where I keep saying it because I want people to. I've rep my. I've rep my shit because I'm happy Absolutely. to be where I'm from. You know what I'm saying? Don't mean I want to go back to it. By no, right. I don't want to go back. But that's where I'm from. You know, that's 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 who. That's what made me who I am. But I was when I did recruiting, and you know, I'm thinking, man, I I grew up with both parents in a household. Yes, I had a kid at 17, but you know, my parents always showed me right. Um, you know, we grew up poor. My mom made money. But again, like I said, $100,000 in New York City, in the city, is nothing. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, the, the people that live on welfare in Section 8 live better than you do. You know what I'm saying? It's just what it is. It is what it is. So, and I say that because I know somebody thinking, well, well, you had a house. Yeah, I did. But my parents had to pay for that. There was a time we didn't have a phone in the house. You know what I'm saying? But I go to my friend's house, and they're on Section 8, and they got... Big TVs, but well, you know, we didn't have flat screens back then, but had the big, the big ones with the big yeah. box. Yeah, yeah. A phone, you know, Jordans. And I'm like, I ain't got this. You know what I'm saying? But so I so I, when I went back recruiting in the Bronx, I'm like, yeah, I wanted to go to Fordham because that's where I joined out of. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up in, in the South Bronx. I ended up in uh, 149th. And I'm like, man, I'm going I'm to kill it because I'm, I'm a product of this environment. I made it out. They're going to see it and they're going to jump on it. But obviously it's 2002. He was going to war. And all I kept hearing was like, I ain't dying for no white man. Forget Bush, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, come on, man. So after a while, it was very frustrating. It was. It was very frustrating. I was very disappointed in my people, you know, because I felt like, and when I say my people, I'm talking about people from the same environment. It could be the Bronx. It could be North Carolina. It could be any, anybody that come from where we come from. The environment should, like you said, be looking for a way out of it. Mm -hmm. You said it was the easiest way out for you. It was the quickest and easiest way out without having to go to school for four years, without get into debt, you know, without having to work your tail off to finally save a little bit of money to move. This is this is was the easiest way out. So I got frustrated. I would get so mad. Like, oh, you, they so stupid. I'll go to my mom and like, why people don't want to take advantage of this? You know, the Navy's good. I've traveled. I'm in that time. I was like, yo, I've been to Dubai. We call it Jabal Ali. And I'm like, yo, this is dope over there. It's 2001. I'm, I'm there in 2002, three. And I'm just like, bro, nobody's jumping on this. And then I get, I, I meet the same resistance from our people. Now I'm talking about our black and brown people, right? Who you're like, oh, let your kid join. But no, not for this government. This then a third, but meanwhile, you're living in the projects that pay. So who's paying for these pro this the government? But you don't want your kid to go work because that does that goes against the, the man, right? So that's a whole other topic in itself. Yes. That too, when we start talking, when you have something so interesting or so good, like this education, when it comes to your money being safe, saving the money in the right place, having proper protection when it comes to life insurance, to to leave something behind, right? To change. The, the future, you know, people don't realize by opening a policy right now, whether you have kids or not, in 30, 40 years, if you 50 years, 60 years, you pass away, you leave a million dollars. You just you just change that the outcome completely for those kids or for your for your family. Your, your name has changed if you do it right. Right. 
So when I've talked to friends of ours or, you know, when I've talked to people from back at home and say, hey, man, this is something good for you to do. Um, it, nah, I ain't doing it. How, yeah. how do you feel when you meet that? You know, like when when you get to that. I, I get I get uh, I, like I said, I, I I try to remind myself that it's not personal. Don't take it personal because I do get frustrated. So it is a constant reminder of don't take it personal because it's like, come on, like I, you see. Come, my biggest thing is also taking advice from somebody who is or isn't in a position you would want to be in at some point in your life. I think that's a big deal. And I do take pride in how I've gotten where I've gotten in my life, especially considering everything, considering where I'm from, all the way down to being from the Bronx, you know, look at me trying to show you the information. If you can't trust me, then who can you trust? If you can't take this advice from me, who can you take this advice from? And so it gets, it sometimes feels personal because mm -hmm. it's like, come on, like I'm, sh I'm showing you basically giving you a gift and you're not taking it, you know, but again, you have to just remind yourself, don't take it personal. Like it's not personal. This is just something it's everybody's not going to see that vision. Everybody but doesn't see it. You think we can become jaded though? Do you think that we become so jaded that at one point or another, we stop trying to help those people and, and focus on other people that get it? I think yes, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I I think so too. I, I, um, so it's not about taking. I mean, yeah, you do take it personal at, at first. Anybody has done sales, and a person tells you no, yes. you're like, I'm offering you this good deal, and you're taking no, you're you're ah, oh, you know, you get mad. But the truth is, like you said, people, you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped out. You could you could lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink. Um, yes, you you would think that when people look at us. They think of they see success and why not, right? Hispanics uh, come from the, come from the Bronx, uh, joined with no basically a high school diploma, nothing, no degree, yeah. making it happen. You said so. This is your second home. You had one before. You sold it and bought this one, right? Luxurious background. That's a real kitchen too. That's not a backdrop. <laughs> that. That's the real stuff. So you look at that. I ain't gonna put out what you drive because I I really want really your business. But let's just say it's not it's not some uh, Toyota Corolla, but um, <laughs> she's made it, you know. And, and you're a first class, second class. I'm a second class. So a second class. So now people understand this, and it, there's a it is a rank structure, and as you go up, you make more money. So when I I say that to say this because she's a single mom, she's a single mom, and she bought her own house in San Diego. Right, which is not cheap at all. As her, we're not gonna say the car, but she has something nice, and she's a second class doing this. So that means somewhere along the line, <clears throat> you figured out how to manage your money. Absolutely. Right. So now let let's talk about that a little bit, right? Because we're talking about oh, you should take advantage of this program. You should take advantage of that. How do you feel when you when you talk to people, and they tell you, well, I I can't I can't put $200 a month away or 300. But then they are, they're on Facebook, part of the sneaker group and they're putting their Jordans that they buy every other week. Up there. And you know, cause your, your shoe game is straight and you're looking like. Stop. Yeah, stop. stop. You, you, you just bought a pair of sneakers for 300 and you can't put 300 away a month. How, how, how do you take that? Like, what, what do you think when you see that? 
Oh, that one is is listen, and I've personally seen it. I've per I've personally seen it, and it's it's not even just sneakers. It 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 could go something as I bought this thousand dollar bag, but I can't save. I saved for this thousand dollar bag, but I cannot save two hundred dollars a month. That right there be hitting me hard because I've just like baffled at it, you know. And it's not even about what brand. It's not even about any of these things. It's just about, again, showing that information. Look at this information. This is valid information. This is Googleable, like Googleable, however you want to say that word. Like, this is really real. Google. I like it. Made it up. <laughs> and, like, still, they, because really, the reality is they don't see it. They don't see the vision. They're not intaking that information. They don't want to intake that information. They're caught up in the now, in the what's cool, whatever status symbol they're trying to get to, or they want people to think of them, not really looking at it as this is just materialistic, but I could be building wealth. They don't see it that way. They see it as a bill, another bill that they don't want to be paying. And I think that's where the mind shift needs to change for those kind of people but that's something you can't do you know so you know it's funny you 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 said a thousand dollar bag you said all this stuff right and people you're right people i i tell i tell people you make time for what you want to make time for right you ever had that person you're like oh man i should call you more often we should talk more and then you leave the conversation and like a, a month goes by right and you're like damn i didn't call him but <laughs> that month you've talked to a thousand other people You've done a thousand other things. You make time for it. The same thing with this. And you said something is a bill. People see it as a bill. It bothers me. I'm not going to lie to you. It does. It bothers me because um, it was something my, my father-in-law said to me one time. He said, people drive a Cadillac Escalade, but park it in the projects. <sighs> right? He was like, I drive a Kia, but I park it in my house in Far Rockaway. You know what I'm saying? And not to go into too much of his shit and put his business out there, but the fact that he said that, and when I looked at what his assets were, he could afford a, a Mercedes. He could afford a BMW 750 or 760. He had the credit for it. He made the money for it. But that wasn't important to him. It was, I, I'd rather have the two houses, one here and one there, have assets, you know. Have the skill. Yep. Then, then have an Escalade, you know. And I look at that and I and I've I've thought about that. And it made me think. It made me think. I remember asking somebody, Google what um Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs when he was alive, these billionaires, Google what they drive. And let me see. And I, you know, and I'm guilty of it. I, I have a nice truck. Uh, you know, I, I I like nice shit. So that's my weakness. There's a nice truck. But trucks aren't, they're not cheap anyways. If you want. Yeah, you can get a base model one for dirt, but it's not gonna have nothing on it. So it's gonna be the, the floor. That's it. But uh, the floor. <laughs> yeah, the floor. You ain't even get. You can't even get CarPlay. It's the old radio. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But um, but no. But he had a point. And when you look at what these people with money have, right? They don't drive those cars. I I saw a magazine once, and it stuck with me. They drive like 80, 1988 Ford pickup trucks. They'll have a Toyota or a Honda or something, especially eco-friendly, right? Like Bill Gates' house. You walk into the room and adjust to your temperature so you're not killing the air, the air with your AC and, excuse me, all this other stuff. 
So looking at that, right, and how people with wealth, how they live, you know, you won't know that they have the money because they don't have, they don't, unless they have a nice watch. A lot of them do like nice watches and their watches isn't bezeled out and diamond out. It's a watch that maybe one of, it only made 50 in the whole world and you got one of right. them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that now I want to relate that to what helps us create this wealth, right? Is the life insurances. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't see the value in it. Yeah. But they'll see the value in other things. Like you said, a dollar purse that doesn't appreciate, depreciates, right? Uh, they'll go buy a, a Lexus or a BMW or a Mercedes knowing that they cannot afford the maintenance on it once it's, the warranty's out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the shoes, the bags, everything, the clothing, they want to spend the money, but they don't put the money into what can change the future, right? What is your take on that? Um, that they just don't want to change. Uh, they they're comfortable. They don't see it. They're not gonna understand it. Um, not right now. Maybe not. Sometimes I, depending on the person, I will believe like, okay, this is just not right now kind of thing. This is gonna hit them at some point. They're gonna circle back and start asking questions, and I've had it happen. Um, so it just truly depends on the person. But there's some people who just they don't see it and and I just got to roll with the punches at that point you know you just don't see it I would love to help you if I can just can't because you don't want to be helped you know I mean they and that's the truth they don't again they put value on what doesn't matter right mm-hmm. I, I had one person I was trying to help uh, a while back and I, don't, I say a while back because I did speak to somebody recently that said the same thing but that's not where I got this from it was somebody I was talking to and and they old like an old head, you know. They they're not. They grew up with the same mentality that their parents grew up with. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh fuck them kids, they'll figure it out. Nobody nobody took out a policy for me to have money, so why should I do it for them? And then they say, oh well, I can't touch that money because it's life insurance. So I have to die for you to touch it. You see what I'm saying? Which was my understanding of life insurance as well. It at was first. at first, mm-hmm. exactly at first. So now let's break it down for the audience, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So when we talk about changing the future, building your money, what are we really talking about? What is it that we actually share with people? Go ahead. We share with people the advantages that you can take of a life insurance policy. Like you said already, most people think this money is non-existent until I pass away. My family's not even going to get this until I pass away. That's actually an older mentality. That's a very outdated mentality because that's not the only kind of life insurance there is. There are life insurances like that, but that is not the only kind. There are life insurances that you and I know personally that that's not the case. You can have a long-term care. You can um, touch that money. Before your typical age 65 or anything like that, or even without having to be hurt or almost dying, you know, you can touch that money, but they don't know that. They just hear life insurance and they think life or death. That's basically where their mind goes. It's and that's the thing. Like with our with our insurance with the Navy, we don't have that option. We do have to die for them to get it. But when basically. I heard, and I and I'm reading this book, I, I don't have it. I did take a picture of it. Hold on. I got a picture of it. 
Johnny made us, you know, he was talking about it. I bought it. I haven't finished it because I'm being lazy, but it's really, really a short read. And it is, as soon as I find it, I'll let you know, but I can't find it. I guess I didn't take a picture of it. But it deals with, uh, it talks about wealth life and life insurance. Money, wealth. Uh, yeah, there you go. Money, Money wealth. Life insurance, right? Who's the author? One second. I got it right here. Jake Thompson. Jake Thompson. So he, in that book, it, it talks about, um, and I kind of want to get it so I could read it verbatim. He he says how J.C. Penny in 1929, before it became J.C. Penny or what it is today, um, during the Great Depression was going to uh, go bankrupt in a sense. And he took out loans or he took the money out that he had in his cash value life insurance to help it stay afloat. And now that company is in the billions, right? And it talks about how having that allowed him to save his company. Yeah. It talks about Walt Disney, how he wasn't getting the funding from the banks because nobody believed in, oh, you're going to create an amusement park of characters. Nobody's going to go see that. So he used his own life insurances. The, he took loans against them, took the cash value out and funded his own, uh, the creation of Disney and, and, and made his money back. So if this was knowledge, this, this tells you, right? It tells us that this isn't new. New. Yes. It's not. It's just that the people that got the information don't want to share it. Yeah. Or they didn't want to. Now they have no choice with social media. I go on TikTok and I swear to God, if somebody always talking about 401k and IUL and, and this and that and a third, and especially nurses, registered nurses, they don't really have a pension. So they open these accounts. Um, and now people, but now, so this brings me to another question. How do you feel, right? When you sat and talked to somebody and you give them three rules of money, oh, it's not for me. I don't know. I don't like it. Then they come back and they say, yo, Rocky, listen, I was on TikTok. And I saw a thing about an IUL, the same thing you talking about. I want to do it now. <laughs> you feel when you hear that, like when you when you hear it. This is right here. This is my natural reaction to it <laughs> because it's actually legitimately happened. It's happened. I've sat down, and then they're asking me these questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and don't get it wrong. It's not to to make fun of it or anything like that. Not at all. I'm laughing just because it's it's funny to me, but. I appreciate the questions and the fact that you even now something grabbed your attention. I didn't grab it, but something grabbed your attention to now make you want to ask these questions. And that's great. Um, so it's not to say that there's nothing wrong with that, but that's my natural reaction. Um, uh, first and foremost, great that you're asking the questions. and But also funny because it's like, yeah, I, I wish we could have started it sooner now that you have these questions. But it's never too late and let's go. What what is the next step? What do you want to do? That's how I feel. I, I, it happened to me. I, I talked to one of my peoples and he's like, nah, man, I like to have my money in my savings account. I like to have my money in cash. In case I gotta get to it. You never know. Blah, 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 blah. And like a year later, on the second deck, yo, senior, I gotta get with you. Oh, what's up? <laughs> we got to about that thing you do because I saw it on IG and it just you know, now I'm thinking about doing it. To me, you 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 should. <laughs> we saw it last year. You know, like I I, I showed it to you. I I told you. You know, it, that 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 it baffles me. It does. That shit baffles me. It, it 
it drives me crazy um, because, and here's why, you don't have to do one of our strategies. You don't. You don't have to give us your business. We would like your business, but you're not, you don't have to give it to us. But with all the information that's available right here on an iPhone, your iPad, your, your Samsung phone, your tablets, this is not a secret no more. See, this the, the, the thing was, it was a secret when things could be controlled and how they got out. It's not a secret no more because it's out. But we still don't do the research to find out. We still choose to ignore it. It's like you said, you, you can't help somebody to want to be helped out. They're getting hit in the face. I've seen it. Look, I've been on, I go through TikTok because I'm not, I don't, I don't do TikToks like you do. I, I you know what I'm saying? I, I, I can't, <laughs> I don't have, for me to do that, I got to get lit and I got to have, <laughs> let go of all my introvert qualities and go extrovert. And I can't do it. I can't. First of all, my daughter be up there doing all the dancing. Dad, let's do it. No, can't do it. But I, I do go on TikTok. And then I see like five or six different things. My wife sends me reels on IG. Life insurance, life insurance, life insurance. Now it's the push, right? It's like, you, yo, I tried to put you on like two years ago and you you laughed at me. But yeah. now, you need it. now you want it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think I told you this before my mother. I, I wanted her to get a term policy to cover the, the mortgage, right? She's older. She's 67 now. So we're like, you know, get a 20-year, 30-year policy, 20-year policy. Whatever it allows us to get, we'll get the right. max. And then that way, if something happens to you between now and then, the house is paid off. You know, so pops don't have to worry. But if he's gone, then you're gone. The house is paid and we'll, we'll split it amongst the siblings or we'll do something, right? And she didn't do it. She didn't do it. She thought it was going to cost too much. I offered to pay for it. I offered her and my sister to pay for it. Me and my sister split it. And... She said no. Then she caught a heart attack. And I think now she couldn't get it if she wanted it. Yeah, because of the heart attack. Because of the heart attack, right? And I think to myself, like, this is one of the things you should have got. You should have listened to me when you didn't have it. And all we was worried about is diabetes and certain things, you know, that we can manage. But now you might not get it. And I'm I'm in that same situation. I, I can't get a policy. If I wanted to, I had open heart surgery when I was in 20, in 2003. So they won't take the risk with me. So I, I, to me, it's like, man, I know the value of it and I can't even use it. You know what I'm saying? I can't do it. I got them for my kids and I got them, you know, my wife is going to get her own, but you, I know you have some of the products yourself. Obviously you, yeah. you, you sell it, you know, that's like working at AT&T and having a T-Mobile. It doesn't really go together. Right. <laughs> that's like, well, in your situation, I can't use this analogy because I probably would do it too. But, um, <laughs> You know, uh, working at one dealership but driving something else, but uh, <laughs> but no. Um, so you know, we when we had these conversations, that that was one of the things that I guess you and I shared is the fact that it's so amazing how people don't want to take advantage of it or don't want to do what is necessary now for later on. Yeah, like I think about it. If you would have told me this in two thousand and two. And at that time, my daughter was five. And you tell me, yo, you could open up a policy at 22 years old um, for a million dollars. And in 30, 40, 50 years, even 60, that one million is probably $2 million because of compounding interest. Mm -hmm. 
never mind the fact that we have ways that you can get that money, your cash value out tax free, no penalties. Never mind that you could become your own bank. Never mind all that. It's just the thought that if somebody would have told me this, then I could have yeah. opened up a policy and let him been paying it. Because it would have been cheap. It would been dirt cheap. And know that in, if I pass away in the next 30 years, I'll be 84, almost 84 in 30 years. No, I'm lying. You're 70 for my math is completely off. 70 years. <laughs> If I if I if I left the earth, my family, my kids are wealthy now. I left them millionaires. You know what I'm saying? Or at least close to it, in a sense. That's crazy. It is really baffling to think the power that this can do for it. And it doesn't even have to just be our generation. It really circles all the way around. Think about it. Like I have the opportunity, and I'm definitely doing it. <laughs> I've yeah. taken advantage to be able to set an account up for my son. Mm -hmm. That way he does get 18, 19, 20, and he doesn't know what he wants to do, but he knows college is not one of them. He don't got to take a loan out. He don't got to go into debt to start a business. If that's something that he wanted to do, mm -hmm. even go to college, if that's something that he wanted to do, you know, whatever it is he has, he wants to do. He doesn't have to stress about, well, I can't do this, or I'm going to go into debt, or this or that. The opportunity we are giving our children is giving them opportunity to change their children's life in the long run, too. This is literally generational. And when people don't take advantage of it, I still get baffled. I, I still remind myself it's not personal. But yeah, it's it's it sucks because, hey, this is really great information. Like, Use it to your advantage. And this is what we need to do with the information we get these days. It's available to us. It's accessible. Let's use it to our advantage. Let's change the fucking book. Let's change the generational curses that we've had. Yep. Do you think we we're do you think that when people hear us say that, right? The people that don't understand, that don't see what we see, right? Because let's just be honest, in 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 our world that we live in, we would like to think that we're viewed as equals and we're not. We, mm -hmm. we would like to think that people see where America has gone wrong in society as a whole, because this is not something that we ask for, you know, right. uh, poverty, racism, prejudice, uh, lack of fundings for certain neighborhoods. Um, the fact that not everybody's getting the right education. You know, you talked about it. Some schools in certain areas get better, better funding than others. Um, in a sense, I think for us in the Bronx, sometimes we felt like we were forgotten of, you know, we're forgotten about. It's like, oh, that's the Bronx. Like even now with gentrification happening all over New York City, but you go to the Bronx, it's still not happening. It's like we're not conforming. It's like, hell no, we won't go. And, <laughs> and you know, it's not getting any better because the Bronx is still one of the worst boroughs, if not the worst one now, because a lot of people that can't afford to live in Brooklyn anymore or other places are moving to the Bronx because it's cheaper compared to that in comparison. Um we how I, I the fact that it's not being acknowledged, you know, how how does that make you feel? Like we 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 teach it where we already acknowledge that our people are not um some of us are product environment environment. Some of us are stuck in it. Some of us don't want to change. But how does that make you feel knowing that even in society is still not changing. It's, it's like, you know, it's not there. 
it makes me sad um sometimes I think about it I try not to think about it too much for that reason because I feel like I I do absorb a lot of um emotions on things that I probably have no control over (laughs) um but it does make me sad because we can do so much um so much so powerful in in great ways um but everybody it doesn't see that everybody doesn't even care enough mm-hmm. to see it you know and I think that that's where it gets a little sad like damn you don't even care enough to care for the future of of this of that of where you are what your future even looks like what your kids future what your kids kids future you know some people just don't care enough so you know thinking about it it gets a little sad sometimes but Again, just got to keep it pushing, roll with the punches on these things, because if not, you're just going to sit there and dwell on it, you know? So do you think, so let me ask you, do you think it's fair? I, I'm So I, based what you just said and how we've been talking about it and the fact that, you know, there is a generational curse. Do you think that when people think that we're, when we say that generational cur- curse or whatever, like we're ODing, like we're overdoing it, you know, like, oh my God, oh. you're dramatic. How, do, yeah. how, like, how does that make you feel when people take that approach? Like when you say that and it's like, come on, you're being over dramatic, man. Like, stop. It's not that serious. I do take that personal. <laughs> no, because what all you're doing is invalidating okay. my experiences. Yeah. Um, and, and not just my experience, the people who have similar experiences as I have. Um, so not only are you invalidating, but also like it really will make me consider that person who I'm talking to, how they how they are, the kind of relationship we have, and all of those things, because this all, again, comes down to a mindset. So if you think I'm being dramatic, then what else are you going to think? You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to give you this information and this information. This, what are you going to think about that? I'm bullshitting. I'm lying. I am whatever else, whatever negative thought is going to come. If you think this, something like this is a dramatic to you what else do you think mm. you know and that's just how I see if you can validate my feelings things like that then you're gonna try to invalidate other things other aspects of my life and I, that's just the kind of energy I don't need in my life at all well you know and, that, and that's that's why like I said these certain some of these questions and answers and topics or takes we can discuss something else completely with it right because I feel that in society um, some people don't acknowledge our pain they don't acknowledge what we go through, what we've been through as a people, as, as, as something. And that's another conversation for another topic for another day. But um, when it comes down to this, and the reason I brought that up is because I feel that sometimes people do think we exaggerate. I, I think people that don't understand, or even some of our people that came from the same place we came from, but because they left and they did better, the minute you say that, it's like, yo, if I did it, you could do it. You know, you're, 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 you're making it seem like there's no, nah, man, you, you full of shit. I did it. So you could do it. Stop being dramatic. You know, stop being, you're exaggerating. You capping, you, you, you carrying it now. You know, you're like, oh, and you I, OD. yeah, you ODing, right? Like, oh, you ODing, you, you mad OD with it because it's not that deep. I did it. But you know what? I've talked to some people that I still am cool with. I've, I've, you know, I still keep in touch with some people where we don't talk every day, but we do. And sometimes when I talk to some of these people back at home, the mindset never changed. You know, the mindset never changed. The mindset is I'm 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 gonna be this, 
this is what they want me to be, so I'm going to be that and I'm going to stay that. And it's like, man, bro, like there's so much more out there, you know, so much more out there. And I have friends that don't leave New York. They work, they they have jobs, they have careers, but they're okay in the apartment. You know, they, they're fine with that. The, the thought of a house or the thought of something different is not there, you know. And maybe because it's convenient, you know, we both come from New York. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff about living in. You could walk get a, a bacon, egg and cheese in the morning. You had a cup of coffee. You know, the supermarket is there. The bodega stays up late and you get whatever you want in the bodega. So it's like, you know, the 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 we're comfortable, like you said. We're, we're comfortable. We don't want to change. We we kind of like what we're in. We, we become accustomed to that level of poverty and lack of knowledge, uh, information. Um, and, and, and I... Just like you, I, I wish they would give this information more out, right? Uh, um, even in the Navy. Even oh, the Navy. Uh, to be a senior enlisted person like I am and never have heard that until I met with a junior person is baffling to me, you know? Um, but you know what I think it is, too? Um, propaganda, news, right? Advertisements. Um, and the Navy is kind of similar, too, right? They They... they Put in our face what they want us to see. Mm-hmm. You know, like Navy Federal, USAA, whatever company they do business with is what they want you to look at, right? Because when I first joined the the Navy, you didn't have a, uh, at boot camp, you didn't have the option of Navy Federal. Mm. It was the credit union and Armed Forces Credit Union. Yeah. And those were the only two you had. And yeah, when you got to Virginia, you got anywhere close to a Navy base, you could do... Uh, you could do Navy Federal, but at first it wasn't. So now that we're talking, I totally forgot that. Now that we're talking, I just feel like what they do is they put in front of us what they want. And that's your only option. You know, that's the only option you have is, oh, well, I really don't want to. It's like that I'll bring a blank check from home and you could deposit in your bank account and chase or whatever. But they don't have a chase everywhere. So now it's like, damn, you know, how am I going to get money? If I got to get a money order from the bank or something, you know, I can't. I feel like that's what they do with us now. You yeah. know? They select the information that they give us. And from that being said, which is why this this is why this whole Navy has a hard time with the adjustment of the questions of why. Well, when people are asking why, it's just so they could have all the information. But they're so used to only giving you pieces of information for whatever reason that is, beneficial or not, that now more information is, whoa, this is too much. Like, what's going on? It's like, hold up. We're not used to doing this. Hold on. What is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, for real. Well, look, girl, I ain't going to keep you too much. I know that uh, you have a busy evening. I have I have <laughs> a busy evening as well. Um, But I wanted, I'm glad, I wanted us to get on here um, mm-hmm. to discuss this, uh, to give it. So what we're, what, what Rocky and I specialize in is index universal life insurances. I tell people we, in, we specialize in indexed accounts. Um, because uh, it's not just that we do index annuity accounts and uh, we, we the whole point of what we do is not to take people's money because we actually don't even touch your money. It's really to show you different ways to better yourself, protect your family, protect your future, grow your money safely, um, enjoy something that that allows you to touch your money, not until 59 and a half. And if you want more information on that, and you're listening, you can reach out to me or you can hit Rocky. What's your social media, girl, so they can reach out to you? Rocky Montiel, M-O-N-T-I-E-L. That's all of it. That's 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 Instagram. Rocky Montiel. 
Yeah, on all of them. Yeah. Okay. So TikTok, I'm on TikTok too. Rocky Monster, <laughs> Instagram. Yes. Um, and she's and she be advertising. She puts her stuff out there. I watched it. And uh, and before we close out, I mean, I, we we I'm a plan to bring her back on for other things. I I do want to discuss more financial stuff. Maybe do more. Maybe actually do an episode where we discuss three rules of money and put it out there and let people read it. You know, kind of how you see the people on YouTube talk about an IUL and stuff. Um, sometimes just putting it out there and let people see it or read it. It's it. They'll reach out. You know, but we we close it out. Uh, what you got? You want to say anything? You want to last words? Yeah, I want to say thank you for having me on here. Um, you know, it's always great talking to you. Of course, we could always talk for however long and it'd be cool. Yes. <laughs> so um, I do appreciate it, though, for even thinking about bringing me on and bringing me on. And I'm open to doing any other um, topics as well. No, I enjoyed it. You know, uh, getting on here when I do it by myself is rough because it's me by myself. But when you get with somebody you can vibe and converse with and, and actually talk, and we have the same background, so it's pretty. It makes it easier to relate. I enjoyed it. So yeah, definitely, we're gonna we're gonna definitely talk some more, come up with some different um, topics, and maybe bring other people that we work with, our teams with, and discuss it. You know, uh, um, as a single mom, you know, what do you do? How how important is it to you? Stuff like that. So anyway, this is Frank's unsolicited advice, Rocky Montiel. That's right, Raquel or Rocky. Rocky. My Rocky. social media is Rocky. Yep, Rocky Montiel, social media as Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, you got Twitter too? I don't got Twitter, no. Oh, you gotta get on Twitter, girl. You gotta get <laughs> Hit the, the like, share, subscribe, leave a comment. If like I said, if you want to get a hold of one of us to, to discuss further what we are doing before we do another episode, uh just reach out to us on social media and we'll get back with you. This is Frank's Unsolicited Fight. Thanks for listening. <laughs>